Halloran in 2010 defined social sciences does social science boring right welcome to the academic podcast where we will be simplifying the process of reading imagine listening to your textbook while working on the road using an earpiece things are getting digitalized why shouldn't our academics be digitalized well 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 all right guys mm, i think we're here again whether it's afternoon i don't know but good afternoon and um yeah i'm not just talking again very stories right anyway i'm running out of things to say actually and some people are looking at me i don't know why they're looking at me very relevant talk so today we'll be talking about microprocessors. Uh, yeah, what they're made up of. We have the EUs, the DIUs, ALUs, CUs. Don't get confused. I only two. So and um, yeah, Priscilla, what um, what can you say about microprocessors and the architectures specifically? Don't laugh. Don't laugh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why this is funny, Shabo. <laughs> Even if they're more shocked than she is. <laughs> okay, so what do you understand by? Uh, is it eighty six or fifty nine? Eighty eight. Small difference. Okay. All right, yeah. Eighty eight six. Okay, so we already know what we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. is the brain of computer and it is responsible for all calculating and processing functions of the system. Okay. I think that is quite self-explanatory. And <laughs> okay, fine. Um <laughs> I know Allah, no problem. Uh, okay, okay. So it's choking her, so <laughs> there's no problem. Let's just let's just go ahead. Uh we've actually treated this topic in our course two or three. And that's why we are So we talked about it and I believe you are actually very familiar with it. You understand what I'm trying to say? So a microprocessor. John Paul, what about you? What do you have to say about the microprocessor? Have you a bit choking? So. Microprocessor is uh, more like a CPU. But it's in a little chip. Does Yeah, 
and uh, the house station. So, the ATHC's is what we are looking at, and can be divided into two segments bus interface unit and the execution unit. So, let me not bother you with too many details. Bus interface unit is used for transfer of data from memory to port, from port to memory, from registers to but anything that has to do with transfer of data, that's what the bus interface unit does. In the execution unit, just like it sounds, does the execution, tells the bus interface unit where to fetch instructions from. It uses the control system to decode the instruction and it executes the instruction. So, if you look at the ATXC diagram, when you get home or when you look at your notes, you understand it better. So we'll talk about since we talk <coughs> about microprocessors in two or three, just to remind us. Then before we talk about other things about assembly language, let's talk about programming language at a from a different scope. So, Mature first. I thought microprocessors actually had two segments. Have you talked about the execution unit or was I lost in thought? You were lost in thought. Wow. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> Okay, uh, you said we want to talk about what next? Programming languages. Programming languages. Alright guys, uh, we'll be taking a break after which um, we'll continue with programming languages. Thank you for listening. Alright guys, uh, we just have to continue from where we stopped. I've actually enjoyed myself there. And um, so we'll be talking about programming languages, right? So, anyway, uh, Daniel, what do you have to say? <laughs> what do you have to say concerning this particular um, subject of discussion? Programming languages. Programming languages. Yes, programming languages is what? Programming languages. Why are you laughing? Basically, languages which can be used to communicate to a computer and programs are a set of instructions sets of instructions which are used to manipulate various operations in a system so the languages we use to perform those instructions are programming languages okay so is assembly language a programming language yeah, because it's used to communicate to the computer. Machine code is also a programming language. Yeah. Uh, okay. Alright. No problem. So, having known what programming languages are, some of us already write code, some, and we need plus one or two, plus one or five, and plus two or one. It's all about programming language. So, we know what programming languages are. So there are three types of programming languages. We have the machine language. Machine language is um, just zeros and ones, and they are in binary. That's the only thing the computer can understand. Assembly language, which is the theme of this course, is the use of mnemonics to write the stuff. Why the high-level language is the one that a lot of us are much more experienced with, like the C++, the Fortran, the basic, Scalar, I, I probably use basic <laughs> 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 because they are all high level languages, even if 
to pretend that they are not high level average. They are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, before your program is being understood, your high level language program is being understood by a computer. It has to go through some compilation process, and it makes use for what they call translators. So, the translator is a program that converts statements written in one language to another language. So, there are three types of translators. There are assembler, there are the compilers, and there are the interpreters. So, an assembler is a program that converts assembly language to machine code, while a compiler it translates a high-level language program all at once into assembly language while interpreter does the same thing but it does it in a logical sequence so that's yes like one step after the other so that's the difference between compilers and interpreters compiled languages are different from interpreted languages because interpreter has more grace does it step by step by compiler if your code is wrong your program is wrong so now we'll talk about the types of assemblers there are generally two types of assemblers but there are other examples of assemblers there's the one pass assembler and then there's the two pass assembler the one pass assembler is i say it goes around your assembly language code and as it's going if it meets any label we'll talk about labels later like variables you can imagine them as variables it stores them in a table where it goes back to look at them wherever they are referenced again then two pass assembler is better than the one pass assembler because it goes over the code twice the first um, look around the code is to look for labels and store them on that data table while the second one is actually for executing the program so there's this program problem with one pass assembly that's called the forward reference problem the forward reference problem is a type of problem that occurs when um, the assembler meets a label that is not that has not yet registered in the data table so it throws an error and that's one of the biggest problems of one pass assemblers so but modern assemblers they use two pass assemblers to do their their job okay, so there are different kinds of assemblers there are the macro assembler this macro assembler uses macros now macros are sets of instructions that um, the programmer gives a name. So I won't want to call it a function because um, functions are more like procedures. But macros are more like sets of instructions that you can't just call a function. But they are sets of instructions that are grouped. Just noise like that. That's what macros macros are. So macros assemblers they use macros to 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 save their code. Then cross assembly is an assembler that is built with a high level language like Fortran. And then it it is it, like just cross compatibility with any type of um, machine. 
cost compatibility with yeah. any type of machine. Yeah. These machines, I don't. Am I looking at bike, motorcycle, and the rest of the I'm world? I'm talking about eighty eighty eight, eighty eighty six, okay. Nvidia, and the rest of them. Then there's a resident assembler. That one is made directly for a single type of processor, like that. an 8088 assembler can be made for an 8086 processor. Then there's a meta assembler, is the most powerful. And types of assemblers. Sorry, there are examples example of assemblers. Assembler. The two types are one pass and two pass. Okay. So examples. Okay. Then this meta assembler <coughs> is the most powerful because it supports many different microprocessors. So, but before you use, if you are using a meta assembler to assemble your code, you need to write down the target machine. When I say machine, I mean microprocessor. The target machine that you are writing the assembly code for. So, let me go over it again. We have two types of assembler, the one pass and two pass assembler. One pass goes over the code only once. When it sees labels, it saves them to its data table. And when it sees them again, it knows which value they hold. Two pass assembler does that process in its first loop, and then the second loop is for executing the code. We have other examples of assembler like macro assembler, cross assembler, resident assembler, and meta assembler. Are they all under all these? All these are types of two-pass assemblers. Two-pass, okay. Because most <coughs> most assemblers use to use that two-pass methodology. Just just look at the two-pass and the one-pass assemblers as technology. So you can have the assemblers with the one-pass technology and assemblers with the two-pass technology. So. The next thing to talk about is the structure of an assembly language code. Structure of the word assembly, assembly language, language code. Yeah. Structure of the assembly language code. Yeah. Okay. okay. In line of um, an assembly language code can be divided into five into four parts. We have the label field, the opcode field. The operand field and the comment field. Okay. So the label field, the label is used to save uh, an operation or the result of an operation, the memory address of an operation. <coughs> that label is what the one pass assembler and two pass assemblers check for before executing their code. Okay. And you can look at them like variables. The label is written and is um, after you write it, you write a colon before you write the opcode field. Opcode field is the main action you are doing there. If you are adding two things together, the add command will be your opcode field. Then the operand field, they are separated by a comma and it can hold the addresses in which you are adding to and from. It's optional, like we said before. Then we have the comment field. Comments. Don't know what comments are in code. Yeah. You write your comment and it's preceded by a semicolon. Class in assembly language, it's preceded by a semicolon. Yes. What is the problem with comments and statements? That's for their own, it's for them, not me. The comments <laughs> and the statement. The comment does not run, it's not run, it's ignored by the assembler while a statement in code is executed. So, and there are some other 
facts, there are some other uh, symbols used in assembly language which we talked about some or we didn't talk about some. So yeah, the tab tab is like the tab on your keyboard. Okay. You have a keyboard, press tab. Mm-hmm. Tab has I think eight spaces. Okay. So it's used to separate fields. Then you have a space also, the space bar which you have on your computer. You have the comma. The comma is used to separate operands in the operand field. So when you're moving from AX to BX, yeah, you separate them with a the comma. Semicolon is used before comments, and colon is before used. Comments. Okay, yeah, colon statements. Uh, yes, before a comment statement, instead of you to use slash slash like other languages, use a comment. A semicolon. Then a colon is used after a label. You know what a label is. So that's it's that about the structure of assembly language. And uh, all these all these um, characters we call the tab, the space, they are all delimiters. Yes. They are limiters. Okay. So, the reason why you start the the comment with the semicolon is to tell the assembler that that statement has ended. Then whatever is to come after the semicolon should be so that is quite different from the normal conventional programming language that we're familiar with. Where you have to name and start the comments, something like that. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, <clears throat> in our next episode, we'll be talking about pseudo instructions. How do you pronounce S P S U D O? Pseudo, pseudo, right? P D P is silent again. Pseudo, pseudo, pseudo. Yes, the pseudo. Now pronounce it the way you would write it now. Come on, the person's in good. Okay, pronounce. Uh...